Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So hands up if you are a New Year's resolution kind of person. A few, not many. Hands up if you don't bother. Quite a lot. Uh, hands up if you would like to be a New Year's resolution per- kind of person, but you just can't, can't stick it out past like the first couple of weeks, maybe month. Yeah, that's me. I'm in that boat as well. Anyway, I've got a, a mini quiz for you all this morning. Um, what do you think are the top five most popular New Year's resolutions for this year? Now, just to say, I've only referenced one source, so I can't vouch for the accuracy of this. And secondly, it was an American source as well, so that might sway your suggestions. So any thoughts? What do you think are top New Year's resolutions for people? Lose weight, exercise more, eat healthier. Okay, so some themes going on. So right, so we start at number five, is improve finances is number five in there. Number four? Improve your diet. Some people were saying that. Number three, to lose weight. Kind of a knock-on of improving diet. Improve fitness, number two. Number one, improve mental health, which is interesting. So, and why is it as well that we always have to wait until January the 1st to start a New Year's resolution? The clue's kind of in the name, New Year's resolution, but there's something inside of us that it gets to December the 27th. We've thought of a really good thing that is good for us, but we have to wait until January the 1st to do it. And there's probably something about we get given lots of chocolate for Christmas, so kind of have to get through that before we can start. But anyway, we are in a new year, and we are about to begin a new series here at CCM Reddish. Last term, we worked through our series, which was called Practicing the Way, looking at how Jesus lived some of his practices and what it means to be disciples or apprentices of him. And today we are starting a new series which is called Eight Life-Changing Encounters with Jesus, where we're going to look at eight separate stories in the book of Matthew of people who encountered Jesus and had their lives radically transformed by him. And Matthew himself, who wrote the gospel, he was one of Jesus' disciples, and he had his life completely turned around as soon as he encountered Jesus. Matthew 9, verse 9 says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. That was it, Matthew got up and followed him. But when he left his tax-collecting booth, he guaranteed himself unemployment. But Matthew had encountered Jesus, he now belonged, he was accepted, and his life looked very different from that moment on. And as we'll see in the coming weeks, many other people who Matthew writes about in his gospel had their lives completely changed after an encounter with Jesus. So I'm super excited about this series that we're going to work through together. My prayer for each one of us is that we would experience a fresh encounter with Jesus as we explore these stories and these characters in the Bible. And whether you have been a Christian for many years or are sat here not sure whether this is for you, that each of us would meet with Jesus in a personal way and like Matthew, get up and follow him. So this morning we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus' encounter with a man with leprosy with a sermon I've entitled, Nobody is Too Unclean for Jesus. So this passage is found uh, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 4, 
Um, so feel free to follow along in your Bibles, on your phones, um, or the words will come on the screen behind me, so feel free to follow on there as well if you'd like. So Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Now just to set the scene here, this passage follows on directly from the Sermon on the Mount, where a large crowd um, had gathered to hear Jesus give some of his greatest teachings um, on the traits he was looking for um, in his followers. So this encounter happens directly after that. So this large crowd is likely that crowd that have just heard that sermon coming down the mountain. So it goes on. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So four verses here about a man who encountered Jesus and had his life transformed. So we're going to spend the next 20 minutes or so unpacking these verses a little bit. Um, in particular, I want to focus on three points this morning, which is Jesus cares for the outcasts, Jesus has the power to heal, and Jesus wants to restore. But I'm also going to ask the follow-on question to all of those three. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for me and for you and for this year ahead in 2023? So firstly, Jesus cares for the outcasts. So before we go any further, I just want to explain a little bit more about leprosy, um, as it's not a disease that is as familiar these days. So in first century Israel, when Jesus was walking the earth as a man, leprosy was a disease that was dreaded above all others. It was a horrible disease that affected um, the skin. It caused pain, lack of feeling in parts of your body. Um, over time, this led to sores and swellings, um, and even could lead to parts of your body, like your fingers or your toes, actually dropping off. So it had no known cure at the time. Um, and also, leprosy was often contagious, so it was passed on through physical contact, close proximity to others. And if the physical effects of the disease weren't bad enough, socially it meant isolation and dehumanisation. If you were declared a leper by a priest, then you were banned from your home and your city, cut off, sent to live with other lepers outside the city until either you got better or until you died. So this was partly to prevent the spread of the disease, um, but also in part to visually illustrate the defilement of sin which they believed at the time was the cause of the disease so if you had leprosy people wanted absolutely nothing to do with you they wanted to be kept as far away as possible from you and if you had leprosy if you did want to approach others you would have to do so whilst ringing a bell and saying unclean unclean to warn others that you were coming so that they could put some distance between themselves and you so we have a large crowd following Jesus down the mountainside and approaching from the other direction a man cast out by his community, covered in this painful disease, humiliated as he rings this bell, shouting unclean. And what does Jesus do? Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. As the crowds are there quickly backing away to put some distance between them, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Even though this was a contagious disease, dreaded above all others, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Just try and imagine yourself as that man for a second. This man who had probably not experienced the touch of another human being for some time, experiencing the touch of the Son of God. This man who had long been unnoticed, overlooked, brushed aside, being noticed by Jesus and being the centre of his attention. This man who was outcast by his community, 
experiencing Jesus' love and care. Jesus drew near to this man when others tried to distance themselves. Jesus cared for this man when others just cast him out. Jesus embraced this man just as he was. So the following question, what does this mean for us? Firstly, I just want to recognise there may be people here this morning who feel like they often go unnoticed. Maybe you are lonely, maybe you don't have many friends. Maybe you don't live near family or you've had to leave your family. Or maybe actually you've been rejected by family or loved ones in the past. Know that Jesus cares for you. Jesus loves you. Just like the man in this passage, Jesus is reaching out to you and wants you to know his affection. He has time for you. He is interested in your life. You have his attention. But you might also be thinking, I... I don't feel outcast by those around me. I don't really resonate what, with what this man was going through. So my challenge to you is to follow Jesus' example. If Jesus cares for the outcasts, then so should we. If Jesus noticed and had compassion on the least and the lost of society, those rejected by others, then so should we. So there's a passage later in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus is talking about what will happen when he returns again. So I'm just going to read this passage. I'm going to read from the, the message translation. So it's Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46. So it says, When he finally arrives, that is Jesus, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. And it goes on, he turns to the others and says, you did none of these things for me. And they say, but we never saw you hungry, we never saw you thirsty or homeless. And it goes on to say, he will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. And the goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. So some pretty serious words here in this passage. When you fail to do one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, when you fail to do one of these things for those outcasts in society, that was me, i.e. Jesus, you failed to do it for Jesus. So I was chatting to my dad over Christmas, and he mentioned how uh, the pastor at their church decided to start at the start of last year that he wanted to spend more time out on the streets in his local community. So he set himself a New Year's resolution to have a conversation with 20 homeless people that he came across in his neighbourhood during that year. He sat with people, he offered food and drink to people, he provided a listening ear to people. What struck him most wasn't that um, actually the food and drink was what people appreciated most. Yes, people thanked him very much for those things as they were desperately in need, but it wasn't what they appreciated most. One person said to him, Thank you for noticing me. Thank you for noticing me. That really hit me hard. How often 
Do I notice the least and the lost around me? How often do I choose to keep my headphones in and brush off a request for spare change? On the rare occasion I go and buy a sandwich or a drink for a rough sleeper, how often do I walk away feeling good about myself rather than taking some extra time out my day to properly stop and speak to them and to listen to them? So growing up, there was a particular bus stop near my school. I think there's a picture. Yeah. Um, It was well known because it was the home to a man who got nicknamed Nobby the Tramp. Now, lots of rumours spread about Nobby as I was growing up. What he was like, why he lived there, why he refused housing support, kind of all sorts of stuff. I never knew him. I I never spoke to him. Sure, I noticed the days when we drove past and he wasn't there, but that was more out of intrigue rather than uh, genuine caring concern. So whilst I was back in Peterborough over Christmas, um, we did a walk one day that went past this particular bus shelter and I noticed the bus stop was empty. But there was a large plaque that had been put up. So I crossed the road to take a closer look and it read, in loving memory of Nobby, Michael Ross, who died 3rd of March 2020. He lived in the shelter for 20 years, a gentleman in every respect. Rest in peace. Now that plaque was there because somebody had noticed. Somebody had cared enough to speak to Michael to find out his real name. Somebody had taken time out of their day to cross the road to sit with a man who probably didn't smell that great and couldn't offer them a cup of tea in return, but they noticed him and they cared for him. As followers of Jesus, we too should be willing to reach out to and love those who society often reject and treat as unclean. We should be the ones to notice and care for the outcasts. So is it too late in January to add another New Year's resolution to your list? So I think not. After all, I did wish you a happy New Year at the start. Um, How about finding out the name of a homeless person who is based near your home or near your place of work? If you're able, financially supporting charities, helping to support the most vulnerable is a fantastic thing to do. Probably the best way to direct your money to help as they know how best to use it to greatest effect. However, if we're honest... That is great. I think that still keeps us at a distance. Physical touch, as Jesus offered, requires proximity. And this is a challenge as much to myself as anyone else here this morning. This year, could we also use our time and our energy to help volunteer with a charity? Maybe help organise, package or distribute food for a food bank? Or as a community group, could you cook a meal and serve it to homeless people at a shelter such as Barnabas in Manchester City Centre? Or the job club is starting up again this week. Could you have a chat with Nikki about how you could get involved with the job job club that we run here at Reddish? And let's broaden this challenge further. Who are the outcasts in your places of work? The people who no one really talks to, who you often notice are sitting, eating lunch by themselves? Or how about at church? How can we care for those who maybe we don't naturally connect with? As Jesus did, let's reach out and care for those who often get overlooked. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So let's clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness for the outcasts in our society, just as Jesus did. So Jesus cares for the outcasts, but Jesus also has the power to heal. So verse 2 in our passage tells us, a man with leprosy came down and 
A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So notice this man didn't say, please heal me if you are able, or is there any way you can reduce my pain? He says, you can make me clean. He knew that Jesus had the power to fully heal him. Now remember that Jesus had only just begun his ministry at this point. Earlier in Matthew, we read how Jesus was baptised, Um, Then he was tested in the wilderness, and then the Sermon on the Mount follows straight on from this. So Jesus has yet to perform the many miracles and healings that we read about. Also remember this, leper was likely living in a separate community, cut off from the rest of the people, so probably didn't witness Jesus' baptism, or hear firsthand the teachings on the mountainside. This leper had obviously heard about Jesus, and had faith that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah that had been prophesied about in the Old Testament. This man had faith that Jesus had the power to make him clean. And before Jesus came along, if someone was sick or sinful, people believed that person's body or soul was corrupt, and therefore healthy people had to avoid them at all costs. People such as this leper, as I said before, had to steer clear and warn you of their presence so you wouldn't come into close proximity with them. And religious leaders also avoided (coughs) sinners so that their holiness wasn't polluted. At that time, corruption was seen as contagious and health and holiness were not. But Jesus turned all of that thinking on its head. Verse 3 says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Jesus touched this leper and instead of Jesus becoming sick himself, the leper became clean. Jesus' power was the contagious thing here. And it fully restored the man to health. Jesus demonstrated that he has ultimate power to heal, health infecting ill health. 1 John 4, 4 says, The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. It is clear from this encounter that Jesus had the power to heal. This man with leprosy was completely healed. And there are many, many other accounts in the Gospels of Jesus healing people. We also read how Jesus empowered the disciples, and they healed people too. So again, what does this mean for us? So I want to tell you this morning that Jesus still has the power to heal. Jesus still has the power to heal today. Jesus says in John 14, 12 to 17, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. (coughs) The Spirit of Truth. The Bible tells us that as Christians, we have this Holy Spirit living within us. And one of the many gifts of the Spirit that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the gift of healing. Now, growing up, I used to go to Soul Survivor, which is like a summer Christian youth camp um, run by Mike Pilavacci. And during the main meeting, they would often leave space for the Holy Spirit to move. And there were countless testimonies shared of people being healed during those times of ministry. People who arrived at the meeting on crutches, healed and able to walk. People who arrived in pain, healed and free from it. Jesus still has the power to heal. My old youth leader once told me a testimony of his parents praying for a deaf person at his house when he was younger. The person who hadn't been able to hear since birth was completely healed. 
my youth leader told me how he just remembers this person running around the entire house, turning on every tap, flushing the toilet, just in amazement because they had never heard the sound of running water before. Jesus still has the power to heal. We've seen the Holy Spirit's power at work in CCM Reddish this past year. For example, we've been praying for Babs' husband, Steve, who made a miraculous recovery from his major operation. We've seen God at work in the health of Mark this last year and also the ongoing progress with Steve's foot as well. Let me say it again, Jesus still has the power to heal. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 say, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Excuse me. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So as we go into this year, let us keep praying to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And if you've been praying for healing and not yet seen breakthrough, I'd encourage you to persevere in praying this year. Keep going. Now, it's a difficult question to answer why God heals some people, but not others. And I'm not going to attempt to answer that now, mainly because I don't really know the answer. All that I know is that God didn't originally plan for pain and suffering in the world. That is not how he designed it. He is deeply saddened by sickness, disease, and the hurt and pain that we experience. I also know that when we get to heaven, we are promised there will be no more pain or sadness, and God himself will wipe away every tear. Only when we get to heaven will we truly understand why certain things have played out how they have on earth. Like a big mosaic, right now we may just be looking at a small piece. Only when we get to heaven will we see the full masterpiece that God has been created by his power, using even the brokenness and pain of this world. As the Bible says in Proverbs 3 verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right now, we might not understand God's reasoning for not answering our prayers, but we can continue to pray. We can continue to lay our requests before God and trust him as our loving father to ultimately work it all for good according to his heavenly plan and purposes. So Jesus has the power to heal us physically, but he also wants to restore us. So verse 4 of our passage says, Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So what's going on here? What's going on here? I mean to say, what does Jesus mean by this? Well, the law set out in Leviticus required a healed leper to be examined by the priest to determine if he had been fully healed. Leviticus 14, 1-8 says, The Lord said to Moses, These are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing, when they are brought to the priest. The priest is to go outside the camp and examine them. If they have been healed of their defining skin disease, the priest shall, and then it goes on, lists a number of ceremonial um, acts, which I won't go into. When the healed person is required to clean themselves in a number of ways, and then verse 8 adds, then they will be ceremonially ceremonial. They will be clean, and after this, they may come into the camp. After this, they may come into the camp. Jesus wanted the man to go and give his story firsthand to the priest, along with his gift, so that he could be restored to his community, so that he could return to his family, so that he could embrace his loved ones again. How wonderful is that? Jesus was 
not only concerned about healing the man of his disease, but also wanted desperately for him to be fully restored in life, so prompted him to go and visit the priest straight away. So what does this mean for us? Jesus doesn't, want, doesn't just want to restore. Jesus is the only way to be restored. Leprosy cut the man in this passage off from the people. Similarly, sin, or every time we kind of make a mistake, every time we mess up, that cuts us off and separates us from God. So I've got a bit of an illustration. So I'm going to ask James and Michael if you could come and help me. Um, so bear with me while I just set these chairs up. So James, I'm going to ask you to stand on that chair, please. You're going to represent, hold this, you're going to represent God. Oh, so yeah. be Hello. pure and holy as best as you can. Uh, Michael is be oh, <laughs> if you can stand on that chair. Michael is going to represent us, so humankind, and is going to stand on this chair. Let me put this in there. So this is how God had originally planned it. Like in the Garden of Eden, yeah, you put your arms on each other. God's dwelling with humans in perfect harmony. So this is how it was originally planned. But as humans we decided to go our own way. So, Michael, if you could come now and stand on this chair here. Thank you. We decided to go our own way. This started with Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit. But every time that we disobey God, every time we mess up, every time we sin, make a mistake, it leads to us being cut off from God. So to illustrate that, I'm just going to kind of empty all of that rubbish in the middle. So all of this stuff is separating us from God. God is holy and set apart and we are here with a distance between us. There is a gap between humankind and God and there is nothing that we can do by our human efforts. There's nothing that Michael can do to get to bridge that gap and get back to God. Despite our best efforts we could try hard to be good. We could try hard to do the right thing, to be nice to people, to come to church every once in a while. But that is not enough. God longs to be with us, but he is holy and set apart. Despite our best efforts, we will always mess up and get it wrong from time to time. So I'm going to hold this one. Bear with me two seconds. So I'm going to now represent Jesus. (laughs) And I hope this sticks. So God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world. He reached out his arms on the cross, died to take the sin of the world, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus and the cross is the only way for humankind to be restored back to God and bridge that gap. Thank you both. I don't know why, I genuinely don't know why I use chairs, but I felt we'll go with it. (laughs) So 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned but died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. As the leper realised that he couldn't heal himself from leprosy, we also need to realise that God, realise that only Jesus can restore us to a right relationship with God through what he did on the cross.
And let me say, nobody is too unclean for Jesus. No matter how big the mess in your life, no matter how big you perceive that separation to be between you and God, the cross of Jesus is bigger. No matter what your past looks like, the cross of Jesus offers eternity with him in the future. Now, Psalm 103 contains some wonderful verses. I'm just going to read some of them now to you. It's praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How wonderful are those verses? For high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So as we enter this new year, let us confess all the stuff that we did wrong last year, all the times that we messed up. Let's bring them to God and ask for his forgiveness. But as we move into the year ahead, let's be reminded that Jesus finished it on the cross. He paid the ultimate price so that if we believe in him, that he is the son of God and died for our sins, our slate is wiped clean and we are fully restored to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here.